again, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Help on the Way podcast, where we are featuring December 16th, 1992, Oakland, California, also known as Dick's Picks number 27. I am your co-host, The Game, here with my fellow co-hosts, Knob and Fig. Go ahead and say good evening, boys. Hey, good evening. Thanks for joining us. All right. First up this week in our channel news, channel news, in our channel six news segment, um, kind of a slow week in the world of the Grateful Dead. But the first thing, and Nob can probably share a little bit more about this, but Fender has announced a incredibly high-end alligator um, replica for the beautiful low price of twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> um, Nob, are they only making one of these <laughs> guitars, or are they making multiples? They're actually making They're... one for every Hard Rock Cafe in the world. It's just going to be placed <laughs> behind glass at the Hard Rock Cafe for you to look at. No, they are. Jokes aside, they're doing a limited run. I think it's like a, only a hundred. Um, only. But, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it's it's just uh, an exact replica of Alligator with the the exact electronics that Jerry had in it towards the end. Um, you can tell because it has a little bit of exposed wire. Um, can you uh, explain to the reader kind of the mythos of Alligator of of uh, that particular sure, guitar sure. for Jerry? Yeah, Alligator was Jerry Strat that was given to him by Graham Nash of the band Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young and the band that he was in before Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Uh, the Hollies? Ooh. Anyway, I, that's with a big question mark. I'm, I'm uh, going please. to look that up. I'll give you points yeah. if you got it. It um, sounds right. It, it sounds right to me, but hey, I was right. the one that guessed it. Was Bing. I right? Yeah, you get you get wow. points. You get classic Hooray. rock points right there. Awesome. Um, so Jerry gave him that guitar uh, in like seventy seventy one, um, and it was played for a lot of the uh, iconic early Dead show. A lot of those seventy one seventy two uh, shows. I know Vanita isn't played with Alligator, but most of Europe seventy two is. Cool. Um, and then Alligator was eventually switched out for Wolf. Uh, which was custom made for Jerry, uh, and Alligator itself—it's a Fender Strat, but it got uh, upgraded a few times and given different electronics uh, to be better for Jerry's playing. Cool. And and us bassists out there, we're still waiting for a Jerry Garcia uh, brand bass. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That has. I want. Changed. I want them to start selling custom ones of the Phil one with the Mission Control with the hundred knobs. <laughs> yeah. Probably weighs like five hundred pounds. Personal vetted interest in the sale of knobs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a knob joke, everybody. Thank you, thank you. That was great. I love that. The only other thing this week on our Channel Six news segment is a happy thing. Well, most of the things on our Channel Six news segment, <laughs> I would say, are happy things. Uh, but this is a birthday. Ooh. Uh, Miss Donna Jean turned 75 um, wow. this past week. Um, she doesn't look a day over, you know, 32 still. Um, <laughs> and that led us into a little pre-show discussion of what's our favorite Donna Jean moment? Or, because I know for me personally, I don't think I can pinpoint an exact like 
Like, oh yes, like May fourth, nineteen seventy five. Like she crushed it. Yeah. Right? I don't think I could do that. What's oh. your favorite Donna Jean scream in playing in the band? <laughs> there is a so there is a YouTube video. Oh no. And it's called but I love it. It's <laughs> it's it's called Donna Jean Ruins Every Playing in the Band. <laughs> and it's just like a minute and a half of her just wailing. That's gonna be our outro music this week. And it is yes, it is actually going to be our outro music. And it is literally it's one of my favorite YouTube videos on the planet. Um, I I like when she does Passenger with Bobby. Um, yeah. I feel like a couple weeks ago, we had one that I really, really, really enjoyed. And I maybe even mentioned it. Like, damn, Donna Jean like crushed it, right? Um, so I would say I don't have a particular Passenger that I love, but... Um, I would say that's where she fits in my Grateful Dead wheelhouse. How about how about you, Fig? I have a couple things to say about Don Jean. I actually like Don and Jean probably more than most of the community does. And by community, I'm kind of just what I see and hear from uh, the subreddit, um, www.reddit.com slash r slash Grateful Dead. Um, I, I really do like what she, what she brought. Um, I think I said before, you know, she adds the female element to the band, which was missing for most of its career. So you kind of get a, a yin and a yang w- with her presence there, and I think I think that's really great. Um, I also like her, you know, her, her musicianship quite a lot. Um, I like the songs that she brings to the table. Um, I, I like pro- progressive rock, and I kind of feel like she has a progressive kind of uh, sound to to the music that she writes and her songwriting. I'm thinking of sunrises. Uh, I'm thinking of what she did on um, the Cats Under the Stars album, uh, Rain. Um, she had a good ear for, for writing songs. I, I really do like her songs, um, and I like what she added to the band. Um, her, you know, what she did with Cats Under the Stars is, is phenomenal. I, 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 you know, it's a Jerry Garcia band album, but, you know, what she did should not be underrated. It almost sounds like a Donna Jean solo album in certain ways. Um, and, yeah. Happy 75th birthday. Happy Diamond birthday, John Jean. Hope you're listening and hope you're having a great birthday. Um, that's so funny because a lot of the Donna Jean moments that I was thinking of when I thought of favorites were just said out loud. I was about to say Passenger, Sunrise, and her work with the Jerry Band. Um, but I also really like, in the late 70s, there's this small little thing that she starts doing in Ramble on Rose where Jerry, when he starts doing his goodbye, Mama and Papa, right in the last mm-hmm. verse, Donna just starts adding this, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's so, oh, when it rips, that is it's good. like this extra, because I've always said that that goodbye, Mama and Papa is the thinking man's I wish I was a headlight on a northbound train. And when Jerry knocks it out of the park, and then also Donna knocks it out of the park, for this, I highly recommend the closing of Winterland. That Ramble on Rose is a favorite of mine. Nice. Oh, it just soars. Love the closing of Winterland. I could talk about that for days. Donna's great. That show is a really great Donna vehicle. Awesome. I love how you have a um, a take on um, the one particular, you know, good my goodbye, mom and papa is the thinking man. <laughs> I wish <laughs> like that is brilliant stuff. This I is wish, why you're on the I, podcast. This I is why wish we I could you. say that's the first time I've had this thought. <laughs> oh.
Well, this is why you pay uh, we, me? we would. Well, hold this on, is why, okay, on, I'm going to go back. What this is I why hear? we would pay you if we had any money to pay people money. <laughs> you mean those checks aren't getting sent out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, game, let's get right on that. Um, we'll pay you in upvotes on Reddit. We already I do. That. I take that. <laughs> All right. In this... 10 years, that's going to be worth more than gold. Absolutely. That's going to be the new currency. Yeah. Crypto. <laughs> when all of the world's societies crumble and the cities are drowned in the floods, what will be the new currency of the future? You'll be Reddit able to votes. You'll be able to gamble on people's Reddit opinions to see how many upvotes <laughs> or downvotes it gets. Like. <laughs> anyway, everybody, this week's uh, main event is December sixteenth, nineteen ninety-two, um, Oakland, California. Um, this was featured as Dick's Picks number 27. Um, and before I go into uh, quickly rattling out here set number one, I will say that at the end of last week's episode, um, mm -hmm. I had some fairly strong words to say about the post-Brent era, essentially, um, version of The Grateful Dead. And this show wasn't completely terrible. <laughs> so, um, yes, I'm, uh, if anything, this, this, this project of ours is definitely warming me up to more post-Brent era Grateful Dead. Well, that's, um, that's the beautiful thing about the project, right? Like, we get, we have no choice as to what we listen to. Yeah, yeah exactly. like, it's we almost are, like Mystery Science Theater 3000. It's like... We basically, Fig comes, he puts it on our head, and we have to listen to these shows, and we give our opinions. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. And, and and no one gets paid for it either. No, we we take we 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 take our bread and and our cabbage water and we just do what we're told. You're anyway. getting cabbage water? Oh my god, you're not even getting that. Speak of the cabbage water. <laughs> anyway, December sixteenth, nineteen ninety two, Oakland, California. Dick's picks twenty seven. This was the. Um, third in a three-night run, I believe, in Oakland, though it was spread out over um, a few days. That's what kind of threw me off here. Saturday, Sunday, and a Wednesday. Uh, I think, no, this, this was... I, I'll, I'll just... I, I didn't copy and paste over all of the stuff from Dead Base, but oh, this was oh, a oh, long oh. run. This was wow. pretty much almost... in can well, censoring those middle shows. It was about a week. <laughs> this is it was from the 11th... It was December 11th, 92, through December 17th, 92. Um, about five shows there. This was a Wednesday show. Um, and let's just go ahead and get into our thoughts on this show. Uh, set one opened up with Feel Like a Stranger into Brown-Eyed Women into the same thing. Um, then we got Loose Lucy... Then we got stuck inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again. Row Jimmy, and then set one ended with Let It Grow. Um, Nob, go ahead and give us your thoughts on set number one. Um, I, what I'm about to say is not is going to sound meaner than I actually feel about this show, because I did dig it, um, but I found with set one... It started strong, and each song was worse than the song before it. Um, <laughs> and that's probably not true if you go at it song by song, but in general, I felt really good with the first few songs of this set, and by the end of it, I was like, oh, okay. 
Um, the feel like a stranger is really nice. Um, the jam never hits like an amazing peak besides like the end of the song, but it's very focused for a 90s dead jam. Um, the opening of Brown Eyed Women is a little shaky and, and that's a, a running theme throughout the night. Um, but it's got a nice groove. Jerry brings a nice vocal sensitivity. Um, I'm not huge on the same thing, but it is worth, this one's worth listening to because all of the solos rip, besides the one that Bobby does. Um, both <laughs> Jerry's solo towards the beginning, and then Vince's key solo is really hot, really tasty. Um, I I got excited when Loose Lucy started, but Jerry seemed to be lost in it, especially with the words. Um, uh, Stuck Inside a Mobile had like a nice groovy start. At least in the Dick's Picks mix on on Spotify, uh, Mickey is turned up really high during Stuck Inside a Mobile. Um, and I really appreciated it because he was adding some really nice percussive sounds into that song. Um, but by the end, it, it started to sound busy with everyone playing some really complicated parts without listening to each other that hard. Um, and it, uh, I like that song, but it, it's probably a first or two too long. Um, also by the end, it sounded like they weren't mixing the song. They were just letting the band do whatever. Um, it was a pretty road Jimmy. Uh, it's not like a favorite of mine by any stretch, but it was hard to find fault with it. Um, I, I liked the composed parts of the Let It Grow. Uh, I thought the jam was pretty sloppy. It didn't really go anywhere, and the transition back into what shall we say, shall we call it by a name, which is usually one of my favorite bits of that song. It was just rough. Um, the post-song jam of Let It Grow was okay, especially once Vince started throwing in his little stuff. But yeah, I would say with this set, it was the beginning that worked for me, and uh, the ending did not. Alrighty, Fig. Go ahead and give us your thoughts on set number one. Yeah, um, you know, I, I kind of agree. I kind of agree. Um, started off pretty strong. I mean, my general feeling about the show is that I don't like it. Um, I, you know, it, everything was perfectly listenable and it was, you know, decently played. It just, there, it was very little struck me. Um, and I don't know if it's a 92 thing or what was going on. Um, before I go into my monologue, I'll back up and say I was checking out Dead uh, Deadless. No, what is it? Um, Dead Base, and they kind of had a residency going on in December of '92 and, and January of '93 in uh, Oakland Coliseum. It's very interesting. I didn't know they did that in, into February of '93. Just a ton of shows. Uh, if you were in the Bay Area, you could just hang out and see the Grateful Dead, you know, for, as a you know pastime kind of. Anyway, um, <clears throat> Stranger was good. I have nothing to say about it. I think I'd probably echo. Uh, Nob, I like Brown Eyed Women. I thought it was a really good um, version of that, but you know, kind of like a single version. Like, it, like they didn't really do anything that was that interesting. It just, you know, it was a well played version of that song. Uh, same thing is not my favorite. You know, first set blues song. Um, it just it doesn't do anything for me. The the solos were pretty good. Um, I th I thought of an interesting tie in with uh, the Brent, you know, kind of blues song, uh, Never Trust a Woman, right? And yeah. for longtime listeners, they'll remember that I threw it over to um, the game because um, I asked him if he ever trusted a woman who wears her pants too tight. And the game astutely said, no, I'd never trust a woman who wears her pants too tight. And 
there's a there's a there's a lyrical kind of uh, connection there with this song um because a woman who wears her pants too tight makes a man go crazy <laughs> yeah that happened um loose lucy um was actually really good very poppy loose lucy um and into uh stuck inside a mobile um was also pretty poppy too um I just wrote that I like Bob Weir's tone in this one, so there's definitely a poppy uh, portion of, of the first set. Uh, Row didn't really do too much to me. Again, like it, you know, it was a fine played Row. It just didn't stick out to me. However, what I will say is that it affected Mrs. Fig, uh, my wife, who was listening to it as I was blasting the Grateful Dead during my workday, as I always uh, am. Uh, who uh, was like, what is that song? Uh, that fit my mood really well. And she's not a Grateful Dead fan by any means. So for for her to say that is is a big deal. So maybe check out that row. Um, and Grow, um, I will actually go from row to grow. And um, I wrote that it was exploratory. And I think that maybe have just been my way of saying that, it, you know, of repeating what Nob said, which was that, well... Uh, nothing much really happens, and they just noodle around. So that was my thoughts on set one. Um, not the greatest, but some interesting stuff going on, especially in my personal life. Um, game, what's up with you? <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely think I enjoyed set one more than set two. So that's a little spoiler for my vote's going to go towards the end of the show. Um, Feel like a stranger. I thought was a good opener. Um, Brown eyed women was um, really. I don't want to say really good, but it was good. Um, the same thing, I just... This was my first time hearing the same thing, at least in my memory. Um, yeah, that's uh, the weak part of uh, set one for me. He's definitely the set thing. Um, Loose Lucy was okay. Um, my My favorite part of set one was actually stuck inside of mobile with huh. Memphis blues again. Um, I thought Bobby sounded great. Yeah. Um, really yeah. good. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Um, row Jimmy was good and let it grow really isn't one of my favorite songs anyway. Um, but it wasn't, I can't say anything negative really about it. So it was okay. Uh, but yeah, a, a way for for me saying a lot of it was just okay. Um I think a lot of the later stuff is awful. So okay for me is 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 tremendous for 1992 as in 92 and later. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah, okay. Um all right, set number 2 opened with Shakedown Street into Samson and Delilah. Then we got Ship of Fools playing in the band, Drums and Space. Then we got a late set to Dark Star. All Along the Watchtower, Stella Blue, Good Lovin' with an encore of Casey Jones. Uh, Fig, go ahead and give us your thoughts on set two. Thanks. I, I don't have much to say about set two. Um, you know, I listened to it a couple times and just, again, nothing really popped out at me. Nothing inspired me to, to write down too, too much. Um, Shakedown has this just really awful intro and Nob and I oh, were talking about it pre-show, yeah. like where the, the chords are not hitting. <laughs> Like there's three or four different you know hits going on like at the yeah. same time. It just it does not work, and 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 you need the precision for you know the intro of shakedowns. It's so iconic. Uh, but then I did feel like they they kind of pulled together, and there was a decent kind of boogieing jam uh, at the end. I thought Samson was a real highlight. Um, I thought they just brought the rock in that one. R really great version of um, Samson, and that's a song I don't 
particularly love so much. So for me, that was a, a highlight there. Um, but then there, I don't have too much to say. Um, Ship of Fools, decent, I suppose. Playing in the band, decent. Drums in space, you know, happen. Uh, and then Dark Star comes after space. And, you know, it just, it didn't really do it for me. It just seemed very contrived. And mm. yeah, like, and so just to, you know, educate the, the, the viewers, like uh, a couple days prior for, on, on the 12th of December, they played the first verse of Dark Star. Um, when did they play it? After, well, interestingly, at, not after drums in space, um, before drums. Four. Yeah, which is kind of, which is interesting. I mean, like that would kind of perk my interest. This they played just the second verse. So four days later, they say this. They play the second verse. You know, they jam into it, and it just seemed contrived. And like that's not what Dark Star is about. Dark Star should be organic. Dark Star should be something that happens, you know, because they want it to happen, not because they're supposed to play it and and it's supposed to happen and i felt like that wasn't happening um that night and you know obviously they're they're great musicians and they can fake it but that wasn't even happening um that night uh watchtower happens as well uh stella was a very sweet stella i've been really liking stella um over the past couple of weeks we've gotten that one quite a lot but then um just pretty much ruined in, in, in my opinion with this very strange transition uh, into good loving um where i think to go back to Nob's point, some you know Jerry was noodling on the end of Stella, and then Bobby starts playing the intro arpeggio to to Good Lovin'. Two very different musical ideas, two extremely different musical ideas, and it goes on for like twenty seconds or thirty seconds where no one's realizing that they're fighting each other in this way, and it's just like uh, what is happening. And then finally, Good Lovin' takes takes over, and it's Good Lovin', and it's whatever. Um, Casey Jones, um, not one of my favorites, but actually was very well played and a good encore. That's what I have to say about set two. Not my favorite, not so much um, really to, to say. Um, Nob, you want to um, echo or not? Yeah, I pretty much echo uh, with a couple of disagreements probably. Um, we were talking about this before the show, but yeah, that, that messed up shakedown intro to me feels like a perfect summation of 90s dead where the, the tempo is set, and then suddenly everyone hits the chord, but at a slightly different time from each other. And after that mess up, they get back on it, and the rest of the shakedown's pretty good. The jam is especially a lot of fun. Um, but you don't forget that really sloppy intro. It was Overall, I found the composed parts of shakedown to be a little sloppy technically, and a little busy with everyone kind of playing and not listening to each other too much. Um, I wasn't that into the Samson. I thought there were some cool Jerry licks, but it didn't really wow me. Um, Ro Jimmy, similarly, there were a couple of brown notes in Jerry's solo, but it was, you know, it was fine. It's not a Ro Jimmy to write home about, but truth be told, there's not a lot of Ro Jimmy's I've written home about. Wait, Ro Jimmy's is uh, set one. Do you mean Ship of Fools? Ship of Fools. Oh, in my notes, I write. I can't believe they played Road Jimmy and Ship of Fools in the same show, which was the note right above all my notes about this song. Um, yeah, so all the things I said about Road Jimmy, but about Ship of Fools. Um, we have the technology the to edit that out. So No, keep it, keep it. No, yeah, that anyway. one stays. <laughs> all right. Um, I thought the Phil-led jam in playing in the band was pretty fun. Um, it's not the best playing in the band, but it's a good plan in the band jam. Um, it certainly covers territory. Um, 
it's probably not my favorite one we've had on the show, but it's I've been more and more impressed with playing in the band these last few weeks, and this one mm-hmm. got me. Um, around five minutes into drums, I thought, I don't have a take on this song. I might just skip it. But I'm glad I kept listening, because around the seven-minute mark, it got really intense, which was cool. And then around like the 11-minute mark, you start getting those fun panning effects and the weird spacey sounds and the, the proto-beam, question mark. Um, it's a standard 90s space. There's about a 20-second jam around the seven-minute mark where these effects almost make it, everything sound underwater, and it's very pretty. Mm-hmm. And then they stop using those effects almost immediately and just keep going back to... Um, it's my impression of every 90s space. Um, Jerry's voice didn't wow me on the Dark Star, but I thought it was a well-played Dark Star. Um, it, it's definitely a, uh, a pretty by-the-numbers Dark Star. It never really gets too out there, but it, it works. Um, Watchtower, to me, is a real highlight of the night. There's a fire under their asses that just isn't true for a lot of these songs. Um, I thought the Stella was really pretty. Um... A really good peak when we got to that bridge. Uh, the solo, uh, I thought, was really lovely. There's a, a Bill Kreutzman interview where he talks about 90s Dead and part of the reason they kept trucking on even into the 90s when the shows weren't as strong as they were. Uh, Kreutzman said, and I'm going to paraphrase here, that even though the shows wouldn't be as strong, there would always be moments. Maybe it was just a song. Maybe it was part of a set. Maybe it was a set. Maybe even if it was just a verse of a song where everything would be right. All the stars would align, all the players would play their parts right, and it would feel like the dead felt in the old days. And hmm. to me, to me, that part of the show is Watchtower, uh, I, I'll even say Dark Star, Watchtower, Stella Blue. That, to me, all the stars align. It's a, just a Stella with nothing wrong in it, in my opinion. Um, there's even this, like, angel, well, yeah, besides the ending bit, but we're getting there. There's almost this angelic choir tone from Vince towards the end that, to me, felt like it was going to be silly when it started, but it really added a nice timbre. Um, and then, yeah, Bobby comes in with his good loving, and that's, to me, the point that the peak stops being really good. Um, it's a fine good loving, don't get me wrong, but that, that rough transition is hard to forgive. And, uh... Yeah, I do like the 90s Casey Jones. They do have a nice energy to them, and they're a fun way to uh, to bring us home. What did you think, game? Um, I feel like the, the opening flub of Shakedown Street was pretty much an indication of, of, of set two. Yeah. Um, Shakedown Street, it was okay, uh, but the opening flub kind of took me out of it. Um, Samson and Delilah, I did not care for. Um, and I think that just leads some credence to the um, it can only be a Sunday song for me to really enjoy it. And today was a Thursday and we were listening to a Wednesday show and I just wasn't feeling it. Um, Ship of Fools was OK. Um, playing in the band was, was all right. Um, Jumps in Space, I actually made it through, uh, which I'm fairly proud of myself for. You've been making uh, them through uh, the last couple of weeks here. I'm very proud of you. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's because work is normally so busy that I can't get up and change it. Um, <laughs> but still, I'm getting through them. Yeah. Um, my favorite three-part song uh, or three-song uh, portion was the Dark Star all along the Watchtower, Stella Blue. Uh, I'm not a really big Watchtower fan. Um, I thought this one was really good. Um, 
Dark Star was really good, and Stella Blue was perfect. Um, Jerry sounded great. Uh, good loving. Uh, there was not much good loving happening on uh, on on this Wednesday night. And then Casey Jones for the encore. Um, I really enjoyed it actually. Um, nothing really to write home about, but upon doing some research on the show. Uh, it seemed like some people felt that the Casey Jones was um, much more rare at the time than the Dark Star. Yeah, does anybody uh, know anything about that? Like, was Casey Jones rare, like a bust-out kind of situation? I'm it was kind of... definitely... I think it, it had a bit of a comeback in the 90s, but definitely post, like, 77. They kind of turned on it, the band, and didn't uh, have as much uh, plays. I'm skimming through and... and to make sure that that's around the time it actually does stop. Yes, I'm right. I'm never wrong about anything. Why would you question me? Um, Why we pay you? Yeah, 84. Okay, yeah, there's an eight-year gap from 84 to 92, uh, and then there's three in 92, one more in 93, and that's it. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's... So. So, so to me, a song that's so like you know regular in the rotation, um, I kind of you know it's hard to believe that that would be like you know not so much a bust out turn but... into a rarity, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. it's such an iconic song of, of the '60s too. Like you would think that they might yeah. just play it almost like a legacy show, you, you know, know, like a legacy portion of their show, right? Like but you know, they... like, here's one of the hits. If yeah. anything, I feel like that would annoy them more because the more people begged mm. them to play St. Stephen, the more they dug in their heels <laughs> and didn't play St. Stephen anymore. Cosmic Charlie. Yeah. Oh, that 94 show with the Cosmic Tar Charlie tease during space. Oh, cruel. Cruel. <laughs> we are into our set voting for this show, and I have already placed my vote down, and I'm going to stand firm. With my set number one vote, um, Knob, what would be your uh, vote? Set number one or set number two? I have a theory I'm going to be outvoted, but the captain does go down with the ship, and I'm going to vote, especially for the post-drum section, for set two. Ooh. We have <sighs> one vote for set one. We have one vote for set two. Oh, no. What have you guys Big. done? I have Big. to choose. You are in the decision um, time. In the, I'm um, in the driver's seat. The driver's um, seat, yes. And I have to choose, right? <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm going to go meta with this. For, you know, thinking, thinking about this as a podcast, two different <laughs> thoughts in my head. Number one, we always play set two. So maybe the listeners would like to hear a set one. Um, my second thought is I can, I don't think I can do this to the listeners to be like, okay. And, you know, have, have, uh, the game be like, you know, enjoy set two of twelve sixteen ninety two, and then have them hear that shakedown, the intro to that shakedown. I don't think that's going to do the listeners justice. Um, so I am going to uh, put my vote on for uh, set one. All right, we will be featuring set number one of December 16th, 1992, right after this podcast finishes. Um, and I think I know everyone's answer to this. Uh, but you know what, Fig, since uh, we ended with you last time, we will start with you this time. Has this show made your book of the dead? It's going to be a big fat no for me this week. <laughs> Knob, how about you? 
I, th- I think I've been the nicest to it this week, and I'm also going to say no. If there was a Book of the Dead for only post-Brent shows, um, I would say as of this point, maybe, but there's not, so it is also a no from me. So that you know, is a triple no. What we could start doing is we could have a Book of the Undead, and it could mm. be like the shows that we really don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Just a way to rag on that 93 show and that 81 show again. <laughs> and then this 92 show. That yeah. 93 show was terrible. <laughs> but last week's 93 show was awesome. I know, I know and they're only a week apart. One. The crazy the other one was so was bad. bad. That's what makes a man go crazy. Oh, we, <laughs> we had, I believe, um, two comments? It's two comments that I've responded, so. Ah, Three yes. Three comments. Um, you know what, Fig? I'll let you go ahead and read the first one. Well, why don't we have Nob um, uh, read out um, user Library Owen? Sure. And what they said, and then I'll, I'll respond uh, in my voice because oh, yes. I responded. Sure. This is a person I know, so I feel, uh, I hope I do them justice. <clears throat> IDK, what kind of rock I've been living under to have only just recently discovered this podcast, but I'm hooked already. Well done, everyone. I actually do know what kind of rock I'm living under. It's a new house that we've aptly named Terrapin Station. Anyway, the podcast is getting me through the painting and unpacking process, so thank you for that. Not fade away. You can't see it, but I'm doing the peace sign. It might be like in the message. Podcast is not a visual medium. um, I write back. Um, What a great comment. How kind. Glad we could be there for you. Lovely home too. Congrats, and I mean that. It's a lovely. The Terrapin Station really is, is a lovely a house. house. Yeah, it really is a beautiful home. Yeah, I hope that uh, it's a it's a wonderful home for you, uh, Library Own, and thank you for the kind words. And we had one other comment from Frizzo zero one seven three, and they stated that I was at that show, one of my favorite shows I have ever seen. Second set was amazing, with a huge surprise for the encore. Outside after the show was a blast. The disco bus was shaken. I wonder if we place that too for Frizzo. Um, hmm. I'm glad the disco bus was shaken and not that weird trippy bus I always hear about. <laughs> the uh, Dead and Company and um, old Grateful Dead shows where they trap young people and brainwash them into, <laughs> into big tribes or something. Anyway. Can we have a cult? Did you ever hear about that? No, it's like um. Oh, and I know Fig. I've never heard that either. Peek behind the curtain. I know you guys. Fig has a heart out. Um, bus, great bed show cult. Yeah, it's the 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 twelve tribes tour bus here. I'll send it. Okay. little. Yeah, I'll I'll read about this so I don't process it in real time on the podcast. But next yeah. week, man, will I have some opinions. A- apparently, it's still, like, a thing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like... Looks like a cool is, bus. This is just the... Uh... <laughs> no, that's how they get you. Yeah, I know. This is how I Don't become wooed by the bus. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful bus. Wow. Maybe I should yeah. learn more. Um, so, anyway, maybe this will be on the podcast. Maybe it won't. But, yes, the 12 Tribes bus. <laughs> Can I tell um, a story that definitely won't go on the podcast. For sure. Sorry. I once, <laughs> out of, uh, out of, I had to wait for like three hours in Times Square for school once. 
and to kill the time I went into the Scientology building to use their bathroom, but they wouldn't let me use their bathroom unless I took their personality test. It's a 250 yes or no qu uh, I question. Like, they just give you statements and you have to say agree or disagree. If you don't know what a word means, they're not allowed to tell you. You just have to go off of vibes. And then this woman took me into this side room with this little chart with my personality on it. And she was like, based on this chart, you get anxious sometimes. And then she paused to me as if this was going to be some grand revelation and not the life that I've lived my whole life. <laughs> they basically said that all people's personalities can be charted on this chart. And if you're above the line, you're good. If you're in the middle section, you're okay. And if you're below the line, you're bad. And I was below the line for pretty much everything. And then they were like, and there's a, there's a way. And that was when I felt that they were trying to recruit me for Scientology. So I had a friend text me to get me out. Yeah, it was only at that point that I started wow. thinking that this wasn't, they weren't just testing my IQ out of the goodness of their heart. The naive knob story. Yeah, we were all 19 once, right? Did you, did you use the bathroom? No! Oh, no. rude. They still didn't let me use the bathroom in the end. All that, for, they would have let me use the bathroom at Hamilton across the street. I'm ready to visit the, the Twelve Tribes bus with you, Nob, at uh at, <laughs> at the next upcoming the next like upcoming tour. If, if they give me a little form to fill out, apparently that's my weak spot, and I'll do it. You know what? They might. <laughs> <laughs> I've almost joined a cult for less. And if any cults would like to contact us, you can email us at helponthewaypod at gmail dot com. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, anyway, let's go ahead and not sure how much of that, but you're going to receive on the podcast. So if a random cut happens, we were just telling some stories. Um, so next week on the podcast, we will be featuring a nice, beautiful 1980s show. That's correct. Oh my God. Now it's awesome. You jinxed it. Now it's going to be, now it's going to be awful. It can't, it can't you, be. Every time you I say don't the 90s shows are bad. That set list? Every, Look at the set no, list. every time We're, you say the 90s shows are bad, they're really good. And you saying this 80s show is going to be good. I, I can't trust it now. That's not lazy, how that works. Lazy Lightning, <laughs> Self-Location, Althea, Paul, we're already, we're already. Oh, and there's a soundboard, so we're good. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, is going to be a joy to listen to next week, I have a feeling. Um, and I'm not sure. San Diego, California. Um, so next week, we are featuring July 1st, 1980, um, San Diego, California. Um, quickly highlighting some of the set list features. Um, set one, we get a, a Jack Straw, Franklin's Tower opener. Set two, we get a China Rider, CC Rider. Um, opener of set two with a double That's encore so of Alabama Getaway and Johnny Be Good. And yeah, I know you write her right into CC Rider. I'm really, um, I'm looking forward to hearing that next week. Rider, rider. Um, let's go ahead and do our That's bookkeeping here real quickly. As always, everybody, please smash the subscribe button and like and share with any of your any and all, rather, of your Grateful Dead loving and non-Grateful Dead loving friends and family. Uh, you may find us at wherever podcasts are downloaded, except ones that rhyme with poopify. Um, if they rhyme with poopify, you will not find us on there, but you will literally find us on almost any other podcast platform. You may find us directly on the web at helponthewaypod.podbean.com. You may email us directly at helponthewaypod at gmail.com. Uh, you may find us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Grateful Dead. And as well as my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the GD channel. 
Um, Fig or Knob, any parting words for the evening? It makes a man go crazy when a woman wears her pants too tight. And the disco bus was shaken. And on that, we thank you for listening to another episode of the Help on the Way podcast.
Let's go. 